mi gente, welcome to Peruvians of USA, the podcast where we share the diversity of the Peruvian immigrant experience. This is your host, Natalie Sofia, and this community was born from the need to create a space for Peruvian immigrants to come together, to support each other, to learn from each other, and to document our stories. The stories our guests share with us are deeply personal and paint a new portrait of what it means to be a Peruvian immigrant. I hope you receive these stories with an open heart and an open mind. So let's get started. Hola, mi gente. So this is the fourth episode that is part of the Natalie's Top 5 episodes for 2023. And this episode is very special to me because I got to interview my husband. This episode was released back in 2021. And it's also one of our most popular episodes because we talk about navigating cultural differences. So I am Peruvian. I was born in Peru, came to the U.S. as a kid. My husband's African-American and grew up in New England. And so we just share what it's like to get married to somebody of a different race, somebody of a different culture, somebody who speaks a different language than you, somebody who has a different life experience than you and how we have navigated those differences. In this episode, we also share that we worked on a project together. One of my husband's side hustles is to write children's books, and he's also a CrossFit coach. And the project we worked on was a coloring book. Actually, it's a Spanish coloring book with fitness-related alphabets, and it's called Belly Burpees. In English, it would be B for Burpees. And so you could check it out. We actually have it on Amazon, and it's a great gift for kids. It's a coloring book. It's also great for adults. It's a great way to teach your kids Spanish and English at the same time. And it's also a great way to promote a healthy living habits. So hope you enjoy it. If something resonates with you while enjoying our conversation, please be sure to share with us in social media using the hashtag Peruvians of USA. All right, here's our conversation. Welcome, Marcus, to Peruvians of USA, and thank you for helping me with this last-minute idea to interview you um, and introduce you to the audience of Peruvians of USA. Please introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Marcus. I am Natalie's husband (laughs) and man in the shadows. Yeah, we're celebrating our year anniversary, and it's great to be here. Yes, and Marcus definitely has helped me with the Peruvians of USA logo and has been very supportive throughout this um, year and a half endeavor of Peruvians of USA. So thank you for that. Um, as Marcus said, we have recently celebrated our first year of marriage. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've been together for seven years plus. So we've been together quite a long time. And I thought this was the perfect opportunity to formally introduce him to the audience of Peruvian of USA and also talk about what it's like to be married to a Peruvian. So I have a few questions for you. Are you ready? I am ready. <laughs> so we'll start with some easy questions. What is your favorite Peruvian dish? I really like arroz chofa. I've always loved Asian food and, and it's really just a blending of cultures. It's it's very tasty and you get a little little of everything. I'm not surprised <laughs> by that answer. You do like Chinese food and stir fries, so that seems like the perfect um, Peruvian dish that you would like. Thinking back to when we met, so we actually met online and we started messaging. I One of the first few questions that I asked you was, have you tried Peruvian food? And that was really my way to sort of test <laughs> if you were if you appreciated other cultures mm-hmm. and if you had any exposure to Peruvian culture I remember 
It was a test. It was a test. <laughs> Just like everything, it's a test. Do you remember what your answer was? Um, I said that I had tried some Peruvian chicken places, and I wasn't sure if that counted. It may not be fully the the Peruvian restaurant experience, but uh, yeah, I had tried some Peruvian chicken before, so maybe that was baseline acceptable. <laughs> yeah, no, actually, I appreciated that answer because it it showed that you understood that not that the things that you're exposed to might not be necessarily the true representation of a culture. So I really appreciated that. Um, all right, next question. So sometimes when I'm feeling a thousand percent Peruvian, I will play music loudly in our home, anything from wino to festejo. What style of Peruvian music do you like the most? That's a tough question. I mean, there's, there's so many and, and I think festejo, just seeing how couples interact and are really playful with the dance is, is fun to watch. And I, I do have some background in, in music. I played trumpet and piano for a long time growing up. But, you know, with Festejo, there's not a lot that I recognize in terms of instrumentation, and it's just a different experience. And I think just seeing something completely new is really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. A few years ago, we went to see Susana Baca in D.C. Mm-hmm. What was your impression of, like, her music, her style? Yeah, it's been some time. I think with lots of Peruvian culture, like you brought up the thousand percent Peruvian, and, you know, it's either... It's all or nothing in many ways, and in some of the best ways, and I think with the music especially, people just feel it in their hearts and really express that, and there, there's no in-between, there's no, I was kind of sad this day, it was, I was... <laughs> <laughs> we're really sad, <laughs> or we're really happy. <laughs> Either the happiest of all time ever, or um, not worth sharing, so yeah. yeah. Yeah, we have a saying, I mean, I think this is a saying throughout Latin America, um, corta vena song, which means like uh, songs that makes you want to cut your risk. <laughs> That's the saying. That's the saying we have. <laughs> he just made a face for people who can't see. <laughs> okay, so um, next question. So we're getting into the tougher questions. Early in our relationship, while we were dating, you came to visit me in Peru while I was working there on a consulting project. You came to Peru and we explored Lima and then we went to Cusco and did like a four-day hike to Choquequirao. What were your impressions of Peru during that trip? Yeah, my impressions were were many and especially I, I didn't know very much about Peru. I have to be honest that I think my brother had gone a few years prior and explained some of the culture and brought back some small gifts and things and I hadn't really interacted with too many Peruvian people growing up so I I didn't really have a basis for appreciating what I saw and kind of looking back now definitely have a different perspective but I think on the first trip just the variety of regions of Peru like going from the city on the coast with beaches that maybe were a little bit grayer than I expected in Lima, but that the cliffs and, and kind of the, the differences in elevation there, but then going from that to Cusco, closer to the Andes and some of the Amazon areas, was just, yeah, just so, so different. And I think in the U.S. we're blessed a lot to have those different geographic differences, but in other countries you may not always get that, and that was one of the things I definitely remember. Do you think it was important for you to visit Peru for us to grow in our relationship? I think so, but I think with any relationship, it's 
showing that you care about the things that are important to your partner. And Peru is clearly important to you. And to, to show that I'm at least open to learning and um, willing to spend time and, and money and resources to, to make that effort, yeah, that's important for sure. So how have you educated yourself in Peruvian culture? Or have I forced feed you? <laughs> <laughs> Peruvian culture. <laughs> I mean, I think the biggest thing is being around Peruvian people and just seeing their perspective on mostly Natalie's family. And right now I'm taking Spanish classes, which will be a ongoing, continual, never-ending pursuit. I did not speak Spanish growing up and took French in high school and college, so that was that was my mistake, but... Then yes. took Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> so right now I have a Peruvian Spanish teacher, not not Natalie, and that's also been helpful to, to have that perspective on how to learn the language, what phrases are used, what's, what's, not, u- what's not used, but there, there's a lot more I could do. There's a lot to read. I've read some Peruvian fiction and Peruvian po- poetry a little bit, but in terms of history and kind of the, the foundation of how Peruvian things exist and where they came from, there's a lot that, yeah. I, that I still have to learn. Yeah. I think it was last year where we watched a movie, the film, the documentary. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, the name's escaping me. But it was a documentary that talked about Peru's identity. It's called Identidad. It was talked about Peru's identity and how it has developed from really early on, from like, uh, particularly in the 80s and 90s. And it touched on, obviously, the impact of terrorism from The Shining Path or Sendero Luminoso. And it was important for me to share that documentary with you because it, it gave you some context to my childhood in Peru. What were some of your reactions to that documentary? I mean, it was interesting because it came out as an explanation of the, the soccer yeah. match and getting yeah. to, going to the World Cup, and, and, and that was the launching point. And, you know, up until that point, I, I knew that, I guess, you know, in Natalie's lifetime, the, the football team hadn't been very relevant, I'll say, <laughs> in world competition. <laughs> Now we're the best team. Best team. <laughs> but just to see how important that lens was to introduce all of those stories and um, the history of Peru was really interesting. I-, I think the movie in itself, it covered a lot. There was an animated sequence that kind of walked back to the origins of Peru and, and how the country got to where it is today and how people's perspective of helping each other or not helping each other was a result of kind of fighting for itself. And yeah, I would need to to refresh my memory on the particulars, but there was just a lot to cover. And especially from the mindset of now we have a celebration that, you know, a United soccer team, football team is, is on the cusp of going to the World Cup or, you know, in that series. And yeah, there's just so much pride as well as figuring out what it means to be Peruvian and I think that's a struggle that I know in the U.S. we we deal with so yeah it was a really interesting really interesting documentary. One of the things that I appreciate about you and our relationship is that yeah I said when I'm feeling a thousand percent Peruvian um, you know there are moments there are things that I want to share with you and that was one of the things the documentary and then prior to that in 2018 
we went to see a soccer game when we were in New York. We went to New Jersey to a Peruvian restaurant and there was a big screen and we saw, unfortunately, Peru lost, I think, against Denmark. But I really appreciated that you got to see the passion of people and then also got to experience the, the feeling of being so close but not getting there yet. It's a very, it's very, it's something that Peruvians commonly know. Like we, it's almost like we almost made it, but we did it. And so that like almost feeling, it's, it's something that I think every Peruvian can understand. And so like, I think you got to experience that, the frustration that comes from that, but also the ability to like pick yourself up, up again. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that's very characteristically Peruvian. All right, so there are moments uh, or things that happen in the news or films that I share with you and I get emotional about, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm even getting emotional just like talking about it because they either made me think about something growing up, a feeling or a goal that I had for me, myself or my family, my community. How has that impacted you? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, one of the things that attracted me to, to Natalie in the beginning was just seeing that in some ways we were both outsiders from very different experiences. But for myself, I'm black growing up in a, a white town in the U.S. And I say white, but primarily Italian, like 90% Italian and not a lot of people of color, black or otherwise, in my high school and in my friend group. And... I think seeing Natalie work through the process of what it means to come to a new country and figure out what her identity is and find find her strength in, in her story and, and coming here and, and and I think she'll tell that story more so I don't wanna get into it too much. But you know, she's an incredibly strong person and She's strong because she went through a lot, and especially at the age she did. We're formed by our childhood, and that's just something that is pain- can be painful. And to, to bring up that pain when, at the time you experienced it, you didn't have the emotional capabilities to know what it meant and to, to revisit that. Yeah, it's an emotional experience. And it's both humbling to to see Natalie deal with that and and not be able to to provide comfort but also you know that's what has made her what who she is today and so I think this podcast is definitely part of that process as well and there's a lot to 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 learn from and for Natalie still to share with with all of all of the audience all right so for my next question what aspects of the Peruvian culture has been the easiest for you to embrace and why? One of the things that I appreciate the most and would like to say it's easy to experience is just the importance of family. Seeing how Natalie interacts with what she called her roommates at the time we started dating (laughs) slash parents. (laughs) I'll tell Um, the backstory too. I mean, they were her parents, but they were also her friends and people she confides in and shares things with and laughs with. And I, I am close to my, my family, to my parents and my brother, but it's not to the same level. And I don't know if that's an American thing or a me thing, but just seeing how much 
love there is among family members, um, especially immediate family and extended family that are that are here and close by, has been really nice to appreciate and trying to trying to experience myself. <laughs> Yes, and um, one of the moments that I appreciated the most was when we went to one of my aunt's birthday and we all went around sort of giving a toast to her and there were probably, what, like 20 plus of us, maybe more, and I think it was from the oldest to the youngest had to give a, a small toast and I don't know if that's done in every Peruvian household, but it's definitely something that I've experienced in both households, like my mom's side and my dad's side. And so Marcus uh, was expected to also give a toast, and uh, and you did. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what I said. It was probably half Spanish, half French, half English, but I said something. <laughs> yeah, no, you, I don't remember what you said, but it made sense. <laughs> I, think it, I think it did. <laughs> All right, so if the family aspect was the, since to be the easiest or the one that you appreciate the most? What has been the toughest to embrace and why? I think there's there's two things. I think kind of the overarching thing is, is just language. I, I said that, you know, I'm trying to learn Spanish and not so much because I feel like I need to speak to Natalie in Spanish. Clearly, you know, we communicate in English in terms of getting to know family members and understanding music and reading influential authors and politicians and news articles like there's really no substitute for that language and I know that I'm pretty quiet by nature anyway and so for me to to know people's personality and show some vulnerability is very difficult in a language that you can communicate kind of point here this that yes thank you no but to go beyond that language is very important and so I think that's that's a big struggle. And that's just to get through to the bigger piece of just history and culture. And there's so much, so many different cultural influences, you know, from Peru, from the Incas to the Amazon culture to Afro-Peruvians. And there's many, many more that I, that I haven't mentioned. Yeah, that's a lot. And as Americans, we are terrible about learning our own history, <laughs> let alone the history of South America or other countries that are <laughs> that are in the world. So there's a big learning curve there, and yeah, yeah hopefully you know I have time to to learn a fraction of it. Yeah. So you mentioned that language is the toughest, and that I'm close to my family and I interact quite frequently with them, which means you interact with them as well. How has it been interacting with them? despite the language barrier. My parents, my dad speaks uh, some English, my mom a bit less than that. How has it been interacting with them? And then how have her parents interacted? Because your parents don't speak Spanish. Mm-hmm. Although your mom does speak a little bit. <laughs> my parents think they know more than they do. <laughs> Which... But your mom and my mom understand each other yeah. more than <laughs> than I actually thought it, they, they would. So. So has it been getting to know Natalie's family? I think just that the fact that they're close helps a lot. We're, we're in the D.C. area. They're, they're about 40 minutes away from where we are now. And that's more or less how, how, how much distance we've had from them. And getting to know Natalie's mom and dad in their own house, you know, cooking with Natalie's mom has been probably the, the best way to, to get to know her. I, I do like to cook, and it's something that I think 
Natalie's mom appreciates about me and we can we can share the, some of that and it's easy to to talk through a recipe and <laughs> single syllable words <laughs> <laughs> so that that's been good and then Natalie's dad yeah we, you know he's very smart and and wants to share his perspective on different things and kind of when he's in a setting of kind of holding court at a table and telling stories is is really nice to see and I, I think just seeing when Natalie's with her parents, you know, she is the center of attention and that is <laughs> both good and bad, but you know, she gets all the stories, she gets all the questions and yeah, I, I, I don't get the attention, which is great for me, but may not get to share as much. And that's, that's also, you know, something to, to improve on in the future too. Yeah, definitely my mom appreciates you when you cook and she is excited when you prepare something new and she likes it and she asks you like what was in it recipes and when because you are a good cook and you compliment her food which it should always be done (laughs) she also appreciates your compliment probably value it's more valuable to her than mine because I am not a great cook (laughs) so yeah and I think one of the things I've tell my parents is to allow you to sort of speak Spanish at your own pace. It is slower than the natural Peruvian pace. You know, something that I had to sort of, or still have to stop myself from doing is just translating. I'm used to being in that position where I'm the translator, right? I grew up that way, where I'm translating for my parents. So we could be in the in the, in the dining room, on the dinner table, and my parents are saying something, then I translate to Marcus. I know you remind me, you know, I don't have to do that. It's something automatically that I do, but I know my mom can be impatient sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> she'll like give you words to like you'll be pausing to think of the word. She'll be like this or that or that, and so I I have to remind her like let him let him talk. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so it's it's it can be it can be difficult with the language barrier, but I think. I appreciate you trying and definitely my parents trying as well because they do try as well so okay so next question did anything about the Peruvian culture give you pause meaning you were not sure you were able to embrace it or whether you even wanted to not not so much pause just knowing that's gonna take time to understand or even appreciate. I guess I think about kind of the the Quechua language and kind of the next layer of Peruvian history and culture. And I think it's just something that, you know, isn't, it's very important, but there's only so much you can kind of ingest and and be expected to know or understand or, yeah, that's at a first level. Yeah. Okay. So you are an American as you mentioned earlier, you're African-American who married an immigrant, Peruvian, Latina. What did you have to educate yourself on to sort of understand my experience, particularly as an immigrant? Yeah. So I mentioned that I hadn't really grown up with many Peruvians and maybe a handful of Mexican kids were in my high school. But trying to, under- trying to understand the difference of how you're perceived as South American versus Spanish-speaking versus Hispanic versus Mexican and kind of the identity questions that raises because similar, maybe similar to, to the Black experience, you know, you have Black Americans or 
Black Caribbean Americans who immigrated here or Africans from Africa or first generation and all those little intricacies people don't really think about but there's and then you bring in the the question of yeah country pride and citizenship and the ability to work or family members who can work or can't work and yeah there's just a a different amount of things to understand and perspective to to consider so my my understanding of the immigrant experience was mostly from going to school and, and college you know where people were trying to get to get jobs and there was certain visas that people wanted and didn't want and so I had some grasp that the process seemed incredibly unfair and didn't make a lot of sense but not not a lot of knowledge of things like asylum and how to get a green card or mm-hmm. kind of work through that whole process mm-hmm. yeah and I think also early in our relationship I don't know if you've noticed or, or took note of I share my um experience or the process I went through to towards my U.S. citizenship or I made it clear that I was already a U.S. citizen and that was really because I know that sometimes when you are particularly of Latinx and you are dating an American there could be that question of like are you documented and are you pursuing a relationship with an American because of documents, right? Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to be very clear that that wasn't the case, Mm -hmm. even though you never asked, you never uh, questioned it, but I just went straight and I think I shared a story to kind of say, like, Mm -hmm. I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) So. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's definitely something that, you know, just like, any any personal thing that's important, yeah, better to, to share and be clear about expectations and history up front. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So as a Latina, as a Peruvian, as an immigrant who grew up in the US, I've been exposed to some racism, some microaggressions, but as an adult I had to educate myself on white privilege, on the benefits of proximity to whiteness. And I also had to educate myself in, on the overall black experience in the U.S. Um, actually, not as an adult. It started really as a teen or as a kid when I came to the U.S. One story I tell is that when I came to the U.S. and I was 10, my dad said, uh, you need to know this aspect of American history. And he got the um, Roots DVD, mm-hmm. which were like several VHS tapes. And I cried. <laughs> My grandma was upset at my dad for making me watch that. He didn't really make me watch it. He just said, you should probably watch this. And Mm. so I got exposure to some aspects of the black experience in the U.S. early on. But I definitely had to educate myself more on it. So I'm setting up this question, which is 2020, I mean, was a tough year in terms of or was the, the catalyst for many organizations, perhaps many people to start talking about race. And race is something that you and I have talked about, I want to say, quite a bit. But has what has been tough about being married to someone who's not African-American, who's not black, and perhaps can never really fully understand that experience? 
Natalie just asked the the easy questions, just really easing <laughs> easing me into this uh, <laughs> podcast thing. So I, I guess the first thing is the fact that you have educated yourself, and I don't know how much Natalie has brought up on the podcast, but been a part of things like an organization in business school that kind of seeks out black and, and brown students to, to improve their access to higher education and really was a primarily black organization. Yeah, that that's huge. And being able to have the conversations and ask questions and, and know what's important and, and whose voices to listen to and, and to ignore goes a long way in addressing some of the concerns that could come up and, and kind of talking to the black experience and, and what that means to me. Like I said, my experience is, is my experience growing up in a not terribly black influenced town and not having a lot of friends growing up who are black other than kind of my brother and, and immediate family. So I'm still processing what that means. And so I think with last year, we'll talk about this a little bit, but I also am part owner of a CrossFit gym. And at the same time as COVID was happening, there was a lot of questions about representation in CrossFit and the owner said some bigoted things. And so there was a lot of things to process. My own kind of work experience, how to stay safe with COVID, how to deal with the death of George Floyd and the protests that happened afterwards and what we saw, you know, just outside our window in, in Delaware from protests and looting just out of frustration. Yeah, there was a lot to process. And I think the hard thing is you don't want to always explain what this feels like or, you know, what it reminds you of for your own experience. And that that's tough, not having a partner who's experienced the exact same thing. But everyone's story is different. And I, I think, you know, we were able to process it and kind of explain why certain things affected us or affected me seeing it happen and yeah and so just being able to share those stories and and share that perspective has has been helpful yeah I think for me um it was very impactful what was happening in 2020 particularly the death of Ahmad Arbery because he was and I'm gonna try to say this but I getting choked up he was just running he was just in a neighborhood running and you run <laughs> you go outside and you like to work out and you go running and so that I mean all all the all the deaths obviously were very impactful but I think that one was it just made me it just brought it a, a little closer to home because it, it, it made me think that it, it could have been you and and that's tough and I think I it made me a bit more like just m- more careful and I think you know I would say be careful like when you go out mm-hmm. or and and yeah I think as a a, a person who has not ex- does not has not experienced the black experience in the U.S. I think the best thing I can do is it's educate myself and read books that will give me a glimpse to it and just communicate with you about 
my concerns. I, I try not to ask you simple questions that perhaps I can just read somewhere or Google, but I do appreciate when we have discussions about race. I know it takes a lot of energy to do that. So, all right. So you mentioned that you're a co-owner of a CrossFit gym, your gym, which is in Northern Virginia, you can tell more about it, (laughs) is celebrating Hispanic Heritage Month, Latinx Heritage Month, by having a Spanish class led by a Peruvian CrossFit coach, actually. Why was it important for your gym to do that? Like I said, CrossFit doesn't have a great history of representing black people or, or brown people very well, and there just needs to be more things like this. I saw there's a gym in New York that we were a part of for a short time, and they had a Portuguese language class just a random Saturday in the summer, and it hasn't. it's something I hadn't seen before, and you know, even if two people show up, if zero people show up, we can say that, you know, we opened our doors and, you know, offered what we could. And that's that's the bare minimum, right? And so maybe someone else will see this and do something similar in another language that, that is common where they are. You know, we, we have a Peruvian CrossFit coach. We had a, a Spanish-speaking coach from Spain a few years ago, and I, I regret not reaching out and, and using that as a chance to share fitness with more people because we black and uh, black and brown people struggle with the same health health struggles of diabetes of high blood pressure of high cholesterol and if we can do anything to to prevent that or open people's eyes to you know it's not just medication but your lifestyle that's that's what we want to do so we're happy to yeah doors are open crossfit tyson's corner October 16th, 9.30 a.m. If you're in the area, please, please come by. Yes, definitely. And I'll uh, include uh, a link to where you can sign up for this CrossFit class in Spanish and Tyson's, CrossFit Tyson's Corner. And you mentioned like in 2020, CrossFit also had, there were a lot of conversations around CrossFit and diet representation. And I had to come to terms about whether I wanted to continue to participate in CrossFit because of all the conversations about what the owner had said and how he had treated members of the community who are diverse, right? And ultimately, I mean, you can speak for yourself, but ultimately I decided to continue to participate in CrossFit because I want to be able to be there once another Latina, another Latino, Latinx person comes in and I want them to see somebody who looks like them, doing something different that perhaps nobody in their community has ever done. And so and so I, that's why I decided to, to stick with it and also because it's, it is a form of workout that I have learned <laughs> to appreciate. It definitely took a long time for me to appreciate it, but I have learned to appreciate it. And then I'm actually planning to interview the Peruvian CrossFit coach that you mentioned, so we'll touch on CrossFit at a later point, but just a little bit of or cross, oh, how CrossFit sort of fits into our life. <laughs> and we also went to a CrossFit gym in Peru. <laughs> That's true, we did. That's true, there, there are CrossFit gyms in Peru. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a, a long conversation to have, but I think the perspective is there can be both sides. There can be people who do their own thing outside of an organization that hasn't treated a particular group well, and that's 
that's that's a hard path and there are people who are willing to do that and for me where I am at this point and where Jim is the perspective and the the training background and the answers that CrossFit have I think are stronger than whatever leadership it has and so I, I want to share that with as many people as possible for people that look like me or look similar to me for sure yeah all right so we only have two more questions left so we're gonna wrap up (laughs) so we have worked on some projects together do you want to talk about it (laughs) yeah um by projects natalie does not mean uh kids so oh no (laughs) (laughs) i'll prevent some questions from your audience um yeah so uh, i think at the end of last year Like I said, I'm involved with with CrossFit and fitness in general. My professional background is as a product manager and engineer, but overall I just want to make people, help people live their lives better. And one of the things that I think will help with that is introducing kids to fitness at at a young age. And I have kind of a side hustle called Cartoon Fit Comics and had made a coloring book the year before just to introduced people to the concepts and some of the characters that I created and we decided Natalie and I to to make a Spanish version of that book called Be de Burpees and the original book was B is for burpees so it just kind of walks through the alphabet different fitness related terms and a uh, simple illustration that you can color in or color around if you're <laughs> younger, color through. <laughs> so yeah, that was a, a book that was created. It was available on Amazon. You can provide the link in the show notes. But yeah, it was the first, I guess, professional project that Natalie and I had worked on together, and it turned out really well. Yeah, I'm really happy we, we worked on that. All right, so last question. What is your advice? What would What advice would you give to someone who is dating a Peruvian? Or married to one. <laughs> Dating or married a Peruvian. Um, I think biggest advice is, like Natalie said, you know, a thousand percent Peruvian. You know, even though I'm an engineer, I'm pretty sure a thousand percent isn't possible. But if there's a country that I can figure out how to be <laughs> more than 100% and just stri- skip straight to the, to the next level, it's Peru. And so... I'd say maybe just go the extra step, like don't wait for your partner to introduce music or an author or a holiday, you know, how about you ask the question of, I saw something in the news, is this true? Or what is your perspective on this? And I don't think it takes a whole lot of runway for, for a Peruvian to <laughs> quickly give you education on all the things that you don't know. But showing that interest, I think, goes a long way. And so, yeah, you know, take the next step, even if you're not sure what the answer is, just ask the question. All right. Well, Marcus, thank you again. Sure. For joining me <laughs> on this episode. I hope the audience enjoyed it and maybe I'll bring you back if they like it. <laughs> Sounds good. 
Are you a small business looking to expand your digital footprint? Are you a small business looking to reach more of the Peruvian diaspora in the United States? Consider sponsoring an episode of Peruvians of USA. Peruvians of USA has launched its first sponsorship program. If you're interested, please visit peruviansofusa.com slash sponsors or send us a message on Instagram. Thank you for listening to Peruvians of USA. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe and review an Apple podcast. It lets other Peruvians find the show. If you want to hear more from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Peruvians of USA. I'm looking forward to connecting with you there. All right. Talk to you soon. Ciao.